Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. Before we get in, I want to give you a couple of ways that you can just enhance your leadership journey. The first one is on uh, July 10th, I believe, I will be in Roanoke, Virginia. And in Roanoke, I will be doing an event with uh, a dear friend, Gary Hoffman, and we'll be doing two hours of leadership training. This leadership training is absolutely free. I want to encourage any of you in the Virginia area that you come to this. Uh, I think you'll be blessed. I think you will receive great value. Many pastors bring their teams to these. Uh, We articulate leadership in such a way that it raises the value uh, of leadership within the church, and then it helps people in the church that are leading to begin to excel. And then on uh, August, I guess, it is August the 9th, I will be doing the Break in the 500 Barrier in Miami, Florida. This particular information, I think, is golden. It seems that that is the lid that so many churches hit that have the potential to grow. Now, I say that because there's some settings that would be prohibited for a church breaking 500, just the nature of the size of their community. But for those that have the possibility and potential, we cover the five mindsets that get in the way of someone breaking the 500 barrier, and then uh, some specific skills that are needed for a congregation to get beyond that. Uh, You've got to sign up for this one. This one uh, is a cost to it, a fee to it. And so you can go to my website, geraldbrooksministries.com, and you can sign up there. Hey, today I want to tackle a subject that um, isn't often mentioned a whole lot in leadership, but it's one that leaders feel. And I want to talk to you about leading when no one is following. Leading when no one is following. You know, there's that old joke, you know, if you're leading and no one's following, all you're doing is taking a walk. And I get that. But sometimes we lead, and uh, it's not because we're doing anything wrong. It's just that people don't follow. So I want to give you a biblical example and maybe some thoughts on how to lead when it appears that other people aren't following. And where I want to take you is to Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we have uh, a pretty detailed story. It's the story of Paul and Silas as they're following God. In fact, let me just interject this. If you're not willing to follow, you have no right to lead. There's a lot of people who want to lead, but they've never followed. They've never followed God. They've never followed anyone else. But I would remind you of what Jesus said when he spoke to Centurion. He said, I'm a man with authority and I'm a man under authority. And Jesus heard that statement and he looked at it and he said, that is profound. That is really what faith is about. What was the Centurion saying? I know how to lead and I know how to follow. If all you want to do is lead and not follow, you're not going to be an effective leader. But in this story in Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul and Silas were following God. In fact, we see it pretty graphically because God interrupted their plan. 
And as a leader, we know there are times when we plan things out, but God will just stop us and say, no, that's not what we're going to do. And every leader who is a Christian leader has to be available to those moments when God puts his hand up and just says, hey, stop it. Uh, We're going to do something else. Uh, Paul and Silas had every intent of taking the gospel into what we would know as Asia today. But through a series of dreams, uh, Paul is going to get the direction that he is to head to Macedonia, which is going to open the gospel into the European area. And this is really a transformational moment of where the gospel is going to go. And so, uh, Paul and Silas are following God. God calls an audible. He says, hey, I need you to go here. So, a couple of things as the background of this story. They are right where God wants them to be, doing exactly what God wants them to do, but no one is going to follow. I want you to get it. They are right where God wants them to be, doing exactly what God wants them to do, and no one is going to follow them. Boy, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like anyone's leadership journey you know? Could that possibly be where you are right now, that you have listened to God, you've gone to the exact place that God wanted you to go, you're doing the exact thing that God wanted you to do, and yet it seems like no one is following you? Well, this story sets up uh, some layers for us. It gives us the context of what to do when you're leading and no one's following, what God wants you to do when you're leading and no one's following, and just understanding why people sometimes are not following. In fact, um, there's a couple of things that we find out is that people are hard to lead. It's not an easy thing. Leading people isn't an easy journey. In fact, in this story, there are five types of people that we are given that are hard to lead. There are five types of individuals that many times will be resistant to following when you're leading. So let's just walk through these five types. The first type involves a young girl who was demonically possessed. Yes, there is a devil, and yes, the devil is alive today, and yes, he does afflict people today, and uh, that's what was going on. This young girl would follow Paul and Silas around as they would preach the gospel. She would scream out, and she would say, these are men of God who show you a way. Now, remember, Jesus is the way. But what this girl would say is she would say, they show you a way. Whenever the adversary is involved, he always takes the truth and he adds something to it. And so, versus saying, they show you the way, in the Greek, she said, they show you a way. So it was a way of distorting. But this gives us the first thing. There are those who will try to take advantage of you. They just simply want to use you. That's who this girl was. She wanted to take advantage of them. She just wanted to use them. I often uh, tell pastors that In Mark chapter 4, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man who plants a tree. The tree begins to grow up, and the fowl of the air come and gather in it. And I tell them that if you follow God and you begin to grow something for God, 
there are always people who will try to live off what you have grown for God. And so the fowl of the air will come and try to lodge therein. And what it's saying is people who haven't put any effort or energy will attempt to use you. So there are people that we try to lead, but they are people who really want to take advantage and they want to use you. Then we find out that there's another group, a group of uh, individuals who made their money because this lady could sort of foretell truth, but once Paul had ministered to her, she lost that ability, and so they began to step to the forefront in this story, but they represent a second kind of people, and these are people with a personal agenda, and people with a personal agenda, they will hurt you. They don't have a God agenda. They don't have a what is possible agenda. They have a personal agenda. They have something. And as long as you are helping their agenda, they will be with you. But the moment you do not enhance their agenda, they will hurt you. So two kinds of people, those that try to take advantage of you, they want to use you. Those with personal agendas, they will hurt you. So, in verse 19, people with personal agendas. The next are the magistrates, and the magistrates are different. They are politically driven, and they will not be fair to you. They are politically driven. They will not be fair to you. See, there was an upheaval that began to happen as these individuals that were making money off this girl began to bring news that their income was going to be stifled because of what Paul and Silas had done. And now these individuals are beginning to get upset about it. And what happens is they take them to the magistrate. Well, let me just tell you who the magistrates are. They were elected officials. They were people who were put in a political position. Well, these politicians were not going to go against people that were going to be the people that they were going to see every day. And so there are people out there that are politically driven and they will not be fair for you. They have something that they're wanting to propagate. There is a view, there is an opinion, uh, there is a cause. They are politically driven and they will not be fair to you. And can I tell you right now, pastors deal with this more than they ever had. People who come in and they have a specific cause. And if you embrace that cause, great. But if you don't embrace that cause, all hell's going to break loose. And so the first group, people who take advantage of you because they want to use you, those with a personal agenda, they want to hurt you, those who are politically driven, they will be unfair to you, and those who are culturally consumed, they will ignore you. So this starts with a girl, it goes to her bosses, it's now gone to the magistrates, but now people are beginning to hear about it. These are unknown people to us, but they're culturally driven. Someone has stepped in and messed up their culture. And because someone has stepped in and messed up their culture, they're going to begin to rise up. And what's going to happen is these are the very people that Paul hoped to reach, but he's not going to be able to reach them. Why? Those who are culturally consumed will ignore you. They will ignore you. 
And we see this in verse 22. And so in verses 17 and 18, people who take advantage of you. Verse 19, people who have a personal agenda. Verses 20 and 21, people who are politically driven. Uh, Verse 22, people who are culturally consumed. And then we're going to find out there's this one group, those who are going to find themselves in crisis. They will listen to you. And that's in verses 23 and 24. This is going to be the jailer. So, five kinds of people. Those who take advantage of you, they want to use you. Those with a personal agenda, they want to hurt you. Those who are politically driven, they will not be fair to you. Those who are culturally consumed, they will ignore you. And those in crisis, they will listen to you. Now, These are five types of people that are hard to lead. Paul's experiences, he's right where God wants him, doing the exact thing God wants him to do, and people are not following. So let me give you some takeaways. The first is obvious. Leading isn't easy. If leading were easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would be a leader. The truth of the matter is leading is is not easy. The second thing, leading is hard when you don't have leverage. See, what I tell people all the time is that it's one thing to lead out in the world where you have a paycheck to leverage people. It's another thing to lead out in the world where you have a structure that you can leverage people with. But when you're in ministry, you don't have any leverage. And so we know leadership isn't easy to begin with, but then we know that leadership is hard because you, we don't have any leverage. So what does that mean? Leadership is going to require God because God's all we got when it comes to leading. God's the only one that we can have help with when it comes to leading. And that's what this whole story is going to hinge on is that we are dealing with this reality of leading isn't easy for Paul and Silas right now. They have no leverage, so they're going to have to rely on God. So how do you lead people who won't follow? There's a series of things in the book of Acts that we see. Most of them are in chapter 16, but the first one, I want to go back to chapter 14 and verse 22. If you are going to lead when people will not follow, you've got to understand, you always lead with your faith. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, this is after Paul has been stoned. They think Paul is dead. They think he is gone. He is off this planet. Many people believe that Acts chapter 14 is a reference to what Paul said, that uh, I was in my body, I was out of my body, uh, I don't know which, and I went to heaven and I saw things that were joyous and unspeakable. And so many people believe that the Acts 14 event is just exactly that moment that is translated over into Corinthians. But he says this, he says that we must be true to our faith, knowing that hardships await us. I love that. We have to be true to our faith. Just because people aren't following, 
We have to have faith that God spoke to us. We have to have faith in what we're doing, and we have to have faith to keep doing what we're doing, and we have to have faith to believe that God is in what we're doing. We have to be true to our faith. And a leader becomes ineffective when they're no longer true to the things that they believe. They're no longer true to God. They're no longer true to the things that they believe. You always have to lead with your faith. Whether people follow, whether people don't follow, whether they're responding, they're not responding, whether it looks good or it looks bad, you always lead with your faith. Secondly, in Acts chapter 16, we find that when people aren't following, you always lead with your prayers. You always lead with your prayers. I think people who hear me think that um, prayer is all that I talk about. But here's what I can tell you. If you're not leading with your prayers, you will not lead anywhere else. Prayer is where we lead before God so we can lead with man. And if we're not leading before God, we will never lead with man. Uh, I have a dear friend I was talking to yesterday, and he had to make some very structural decisions for his organization. But what I was most proud of him about wasn't the fact that he said that he made the decisions, but he said he made the decision after praying for three days. After praying for three days, bringing it to God, saying, I want to get it right. I want to lead before you privately before I lead here publicly. And so if you're going to lead when people aren't following, you lead with your faith. You don't give up on what you believe. You stick to what you believe. You hold to what you believe. You lead with your prayers. What does it say? They pray during the midnight hour. Now, a couple of things I can illustrate with this. Hey, you can always squeeze prayer into any day. It may be late night prayer, it may be early morning prayer, or it may be midnight prayer like they were. Secondly, it's not only that you pray, but that you pray during the darkest moments. We all know that at midnight, it seems dark. You feel alone. You feel forsaken at times. During the darkest moments, you've got to pray. The next thing is that you lead with your praise. It says that they prayed and sang praises unto God. You've got to be able to change your view line. See, if Paul and Silas would have just focused on the events of the day, here's what they would have said. You know what? We followed God. God told us to come to Macedonia. This girl was pestering us. We ministered to her. She's now free from demonic influence. People should be happy. No one's happy. Uh, people have abused us. We're in jail now. The magistrates weren't fair to us. And they could have gone through everything. Or they can do this. They can elevate their lives and say, my life is bigger than down here. I'm going to praise God. So how did they lead? They led with their faith. They were true to it. They led with prayer. They prayed at midnight. They led with their praise. The next thing is lead with your hope. Lead with your hope. It says that as they prayed and praised, it says the place that they were at was shaken. Always have the expectation, no matter what is happening, that God's going to shake things up, that God is going to shake things up. Let God shake things up. Let God do those. So, They led with hope. Not only that, 
but they led with the power of God. And how did they lead with the power of God? Somehow through their prayers, their praise, God opened the doors. See, when we pray and when we praise, it leads to the power of God and the doors were open. And as a result of that, they were ultimately able to lead with the gospel. With the gospel. They were able to lead by telling the warden of the prison some very simple things. They were able to lead by saying, hey, you don't need to be afraid. The doors are open. It's an opportunity for you, not an opportunity for us. So, what we know in history is this became the foundation of the church at Philippi. We know that that became a dominant church because it was a retirement center for Roman soldiers. We know that when Paul wrote to the Roman uh, soldiers that were now believers, he constantly quoted things like, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the name that's above every name. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. All of those were phrases that were used about Caesar, but yet Paul reinvented them and said, hey, you got the phrase right. It's just directed towards the wrong place. It's not Caesar. It's Jesus. See, when we start leading, it may look like no one's following, but God's setting us up to do something big. I hope this helps you today. I hope it was meaningful. I hope it was powerful. And so if you can use this, please use this. This will help you in a whole lot of ways. Hope that it helps you. Join me for my next podcast in a few weeks. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.